You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, how are you doing on this Monday night? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, are you, you're getting into the sim of the Olympic spirit, are you not? I, I feel like I've seen some Olympic tweets from you. I, I've also, in the last 24 hours, started to get into some Olympic stuff. So diversifying my sports consumption a little bit here. I, uh, I, I, and to be clear, by watching Olympics, I mean... I just cherry pick things where I know the U.S. is either going to win a gold medal or has a good chance to, and that's that's pretty much how I prioritize my time. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I think I watched Chloe Kim tonight because she's awesome, seventeen-year-old uh, snowboarder uh, who won a gold medal. That's awesome. Um, Red Gerard won the down whatever it's called, like downhill slope, slope style. style. Yeah, there you go, um, and. I was fascinated by that because apparently his entire like family and friends likes to party. Um, and when he got done and they were like draping him in like American flags, I kept seeing silver cans around of some sort of liquid. And I was like, those have to be beers. I don't know what else you'd be having there. And later a couple reporters found out that his entire family was up at like eight o'clock Snapchatting him shotgunning beers at like eight o'clock in south korea which is man good for you guys like way to have a good time um so yeah like I, i'll throw i throw it on, i throw it on in the background like I'll, I'll always be working on other stuff but it'll be on the tv so if there's something good or if my twitter feed informs me that something interesting is going on i'll head over but uh, i don't know it doesn't do it like this isn't handball like i have a deep love for handball during the summer olympics but winter olympics no yeah, I, I and and I'm I, you know again like I, I just want like if if they could just produce like five to eight minute segments of just the things where I can see an American win a gold medal and maybe yeah. like give me like two minutes of backstory on the person. I'm good. Uh, to make me feel vaguely vested for my five to eight minute commitment, that would be ideal. Um, so I've been I've been trying to figure out. I've been using the. NBC Sports app on my Roku to try to figure out if that's like my best way of like consuming, but um, I don't know. Been a little bit hit or miss over the last uh, twenty four hours. Also, but. Olympics figured out like figure out how to put together like an actual television schedule so I know what's going on because yeah. I've tried to look it up online. I'm confused at all times. I have no idea if anything is live, if it's tape delayed, what channel it's on. Like uh, this should be so much easier. Get it together, Olympics. I, I actually, you know, people always complain about the tape delays. I actually don't even mind that much. For I don't the care as long as I, I know, like, when things are. Like, if yeah. I know something's going to be at a certain time, it doesn't matter to me if I see it live. Like, just yeah. let me know when it's going to be on. Right, because I just want to know if it's, like, worth watching, mm-hmm. right? And if I'm not, I don't want to, like, spend time watching, you know, some random American in some random sport finish, like, 11th or whatever. So, anyway. But 
enough of that. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks basketball. Locked on Bucks, not locked on Olympics. I guess we need to talk about some Bucks basketball, even though uh, it's been a couple days since they last played. Sure. Um, obviously, uh, the Bucks will have a game here on Tuesday night against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, then they'll have another one against the Denver Nuggets on Thursday. Um, so just kind of getting back into the swing of things here this week. Um, we wanted to touch on a couple topics before we preview that Hawks game. Um, the first one was, this was something that a bunch of people had kind of asked us to, to take a look at um, over the weekend, kind of, and um, right after the trade deadline, which was the buyout market and um, kind of players that the Bucks might go after. And I, I guess for me, I think the reason why we looked over this yesterday was, well, the Bucks made their other move where they got rid of Rashad Vaughn, so that would kind of been, to me, the buyout spot. Um, so I, 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 I kind of started to think that this Bucks team was not going to be as interested in it, but uh, today Marco Bellinelli got signed by the Philadelphia 76ers, and um, he had mentioned that the Bucks were one of the teams that was, that was in on him, which would suggest, okay, the Bucks are, are willing to do something there. And like I said, I thought, Vaughn would be the guy that they'd be willing to cut out of any of them, but that also now might suggest that they're willing to cut Jet, um, Sean Kilpatrick. I, I don't know who would be uh, between the two of those, but I think those would be your two leading candidates for cuts and then buyouts to fill the spot. But when I thought about it, I always thought, okay, the buyout candidates I should be looking at are centers, but now the Bucks have... Essentially three centers. John Henson will be out for this game coming up here uh, on Tuesday, or at least uh, that's what our best guess is at the moment. We'll we'll get an update on Henson tomorrow. Um, but I think at center they're probably okay. And now with Malcolm Brogdon's injury, maybe it's point guard where they go for a buyout. Um, so I guess generally we should just talk about it and maybe try to hash out some potential candidates at guard. I think that's a little bit harder than it is in the center market, um, but we can kind of hash that out and maybe think about it. Are you even interested in that, Frank? I honestly wasn't thinking about it much just because, you know, as you said, it's, you know, from the center perspective, that was the obvious position. And I think certainly the buyout market was a big reason why, you know, many of us were kind of like, you know, why bother giving even a conditional second round pick for for Tyler Zeller right you know yeah. why not just hold out and and see what's available in the buyout market and obviously with John Henson's injury I guess you know there's like a really short-term benefit to having made that move and that you know you do actually have another body around um to to help you obviously the other day and in, in Orlando you win a game when you know Tyler Zeller was at, at least marginally helpful in that game yeah. uh and we'll see you know against the Hawks uh, again Zeller um likely getting called into action here with with on maker with with henson out we'll see how long henson is out he's kind of been coming back and then getting kind of re-injured so hopefully it's not a serious one but hopefully it's also not one that that lingers um but yeah i mean my my mind had been thinking really about about centers i think in terms of guards um you know bucks are in that weird spot because um obviously bledsoe is seemingly healthy again and playing better um, but you know, Delvadova has been out. Uh, he's been tweeting out a bunch of videos of himself working out. Seems like he's on the, the comeback trail from his ankle injury. Um, to add something but, there after practice today, he was shooting around and not jumping at all. So moving gingerly and then just taking shots where he would 
keep his feet on the ground. So if you're curious where Matthew Dalvadova is, that should give you a general idea. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I don't know how often Delhi jumps in basketball games anyway, but you know, probably Ooh. pretty important. <laughs> Still probably a pretty important skill for any <laughs> basketball player, even Delhi in his Civil War or Revolutionary War musket of a of a shot. Um <laughs> And obviously the bigger one, Malcolm Brogdon, um, you know, still, when, when did Brogdon get hurt? Was that a couple weeks ago now? I guess it was T-Wolf, in Minnesota. February 1st. Yeah. Okay. So um, six to eight weeks would put you into mid to late March. So obviously we're still at least, you know, I guess a month away from from him potentially coming back if that that timeline was correct. Um, so it's a little bit of a, you know, a, a tough spot because, you know, there is, I think, I think if just Brogdon was hurt, I don't, you know, maybe you wouldn't be as, as interested in looking for a potential buyout opportunity. Um, you know, again, you've been able to see Sean Kilpatrick actually get some run and, and actually be somewhat productive of late. Um, we've seen Jason Terry actually start to make some shots, which has been a nice, uh, change of pace given that he, you know, pretty much looked done uh, early in the season. And again, I don't, you know, I know Jason Terry always talks about playing another year, playing another year. Um, I don't know if he has another year in him at this point. Um, but, you know, again, uh, he's five out of eight from three in the last two games. Um, and that's obviously a nice thing because that's that's pretty much all he does. That's he has to what he has to do. Um, and I think maybe part of the issue, too, is Sterling Brown and Tony Snell. And I know we were going to talk about Tony Snell. Snell's been in a bit of a more prolonged slump, I guess. Or, you know, it seems like it's been, you know, a while since that really hot start of his. Um but Tony Snell is, I think, one of 12 this month, and Sterling Brown is one out of 14. Um, so the t- the two of those guys each going into horrendous shooting slumps at the exact same time uh, is not great. Um, <laughs> and especially from like that guard depth perspective for it to happen uh, when you're also missing all these other guys, it means that, you know. Uh, you're pretty much getting just like what Bledsoe and Jason Terry are the only guys who've been making shots from the guard position of late. I mean, that's obviously not a, not a good place to be. So um, yeah, I mean, I thought it makes sense, made some sense to be connected to Bellinelli. I mean, Bellinelli's not great, but um, you know, he's a guy who can make jump shots um, and you know, again, career 38% three point shooter. Uh, I feel like I've seen him hurt the bucks enough that, you know, I mean, I, not, not that, not that you want to ever ju- judge a guy. That's the like Doc a, Rivers corollary. Yeah. The Doc Rivers, the, the Herb Cole era bucks corollary of like, just get guys who, who killed the bucks once. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you were going to assign somebody, you'd want to get a shooter. And obviously Bellinelli is, does, does that. He's not a revolutionary war musket shooter. Um, but I mean, in terms of other guards, I mean, it's like, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about Derek Rose. I mean, give me a break. Like, you know, obviously, we didn't want Derrick Rose coming off a, an 18-point no! season in New York. And then he goes in and just, you know, is like just poison in Cleveland. And they're just awful with him. And um, he disappears yet again for a couple weeks. Uh, apparently got married, didn't tell anybody. Um, figuring out if he wanted to play basketball again. I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're still trying to make up reasons why Derrick Rose is a guy worth taking a shot on, just... No, just don't. Just like, don't. It's life's too short to be worrying about Derrick Rose. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I would love, by the way, I'd, I'd love to see him go to to Minnesota and have Tom Thibodeau take minutes from Tyus Jones, who's like they've been really good with on the court, yep. and give him to Derrick friggin' Rose. Just that would be just like peak uh, Thibodeau, at least from a bad, you know, sort of Timber Bulls. Uh, leaning on just guys he knows type perspective. The, the, he's becoming the new Doc Rivers, I guess, with, yeah. with his love of, of former guys he's coached. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's, I mean, do any of these guys even make sense? I mean, it's like Shabazz Muhammad is hilariously like not wanted by anyone. He's like another guy who 
can give you some like hollow points. But um, for years now, he's just been like, you know, teams just fall to pieces when he's on the court and nobody wanted him last summer. And he, you know, went back and signed for the minimum with Minnesota. And um, I don't know if anybody would take a chance on him now. I mean, I think the only guy who would be kind of fun, a guy that we talked about, uh, was it last summer or two summers ago? Um, Vince Carter. I don't know how much Vince has left in the tank. Um, yeah. But I think he's shooting like 37% from three. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've always loved Vince, right? I mean, he, he again, like, I, I think I don't think you could keep both Vince and Jet on the team, or you'd I, you'd probably have like the oldest average age roster instantly <laughs> in the league. Uh, both of them are over 40. But um, you know, if you if you say drop Jet and got Vince Carter, I think that would at least uh, at least be be a fair trade. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know any any other guards that kind of come to mind for you because I, I think some of the bigs make me a little wistful that the Bucks didn't just go after a big, but, um, you know, guards like Tony Allen, no, he's done. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't really see anybody else out there who's like, oh, yeah, let's let's give that guy a shot. You know I mean? We've got, we got some interesting guys that, I, 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 to be honest, whether it's Kilpatrick or even Xavier Munford, you know, like I, I wouldn't mind seeing at least some of these guys get like a shot at some marginal rotation minutes, not saying that they're going to be any good. Um, but part of me is just like, eh, why bother? Yeah, the I mean, the big one to me that stood out was Jameer Nelson before he got traded. Like I thought, yeah, that's a good. One. I thought Jameer Nelson was going to get bought out. I didn't think he was going to get moved to the Pistons, and like I just thought that that was kind of the guy. Um, and I think I mentioned that to you like a week or so ago. Um, that oh maybe that's a guy um, that the Bucks would be looking at, but uh, obviously he gets traded to the Pistons, and Stan Van's going to keep trying to get that winner in Detroit so he won't get bought out. So beyond that, like, I don't, I don't really think there, there's a guy like, uh, I think, uh, the two guys, the Rockets got would have been fun ones. Uh, Joe Johnson and Brandon Wright, like both of those guys would have been fun, but uh, I think their priorities were pretty clear. Um, when both of them went there that, Hey, I want to play for arguably the second best team in the league, and also I want to play in an offensive system that would suit me very well. Um, and Brandon Wright, rim rolling, and Joe Johnson being able to shoot threes from all over the place. Like I think those are are two places where he'd be very comfortable. Joe Johnson had career years under Mike D'Antoni um, out in Phoenix as well. So uh, I think that to me kind of made some sense. But yeah, it's it's pretty uninspiring. Like looking through potential guard buyouts, I just don't really see anything. And to me, with Zeller there, I think you've kind of solidified your your big rotation. Um, so I don't know that there's anyone else there, which is which is fine. Like especially with Sean Kilpatrick coming on a little bit as of late, like let him get some run and. Let's see what he can do, and, and same thing like you said with Xavier Munford. Like maybe there's something there as well. I, I'm more than comfortable with both of those guys over any of these bio candidates. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think like it's interesting with Houston, right? Because like Joe Johnson, like I, I mean, they've got a lot of like wings. I, I guess he might take some of like the PJ Tucker, Luke Bamute small ball four minutes, which I don't think really. And I was listening to the. Uh, 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 Nate and and Danny on the dunk down last night, and you know, they were kind of talking about, well, maybe maybe he just lets them kind of not use those guys too much during the regular season, but like they weren't really advocating 
replacing those guys with Joe Johnson minutes in the playoffs, yeah. um, which kind of made some sense to me, right? I mean, although I think Joe Johnson had some moments in the playoffs last year, but this year his numbers are down a fair bit. Um, I mean, I, think, I that's, think to me that's kind of what you're signing him for is just yeah. like the hope that, I mean, if he gets hot in a playoff game, well, like that, that can sw- like being able to swing a playoff game is something. Um, and, and Joe Johnson, I think, is a talented enough offensive player to do that. Whether or not he actually produces anything for you might be a different story, though. Yeah, I'm, Wright was more interesting to me. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I'm curious how much he, he will play in Houston. I mean, it, you know, Nene doesn't really play um, back-to-backs. Like, they kind of try to limit his minutes. Um, obviously, Capello is, you know, their main guy there. Um, but Wright can do a lot of the things that, well, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going to be as good as Capella, but you know, in terms of a rim roller, um, I'm sure he, you know, loved the idea of, of being able to play with Paul and, and Harden and the way they can run pick and rolls. Um, he was the guy that kind of, I was thinking when I saw his name cross the waiver wire, I think, Oh, that'd be, that would have been pretty cool to get him, um, on the Bucks roster as like, you know, a backup. Um, and, and there's some other guys, you know, who, who haven't been bought out yet, but who, you know, are like maybe kind of interesting, um, you know, or would have been interesting if not for the Zeller move. I mean, you know, Maurice Spates, obviously, I mean, whatever, nothing special, but can knock down some threes, base the floor a little bit. Um, Channing Fry is a guy that, I mean, I, 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 more than once, I tried to figure out if there was, like, I dreamt of some way of, of dumping Dolly's salary back in Cleveland's lap uh, when they were, you know, having no point guards this year and thinking, oh, maybe Channing Fry's expiring salary could be used coming back. And obviously, Fry's, you know, ability to space the floor would be really fun to throw out there with Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously these guys are not, you know, I mean, it's not like you're, I mean, I'm not expecting, you know, Brandon Wright or Channing Fry is going to come in and dramatically change the ceiling of this team or something like that. But, um, you know, do I, would I rather have signed those guys on as a buyout or taken a chance trying to get one of those guys on the buyout uh, market signing versus, um, you know, giving up something for Tyler Zeller? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd rather do that. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, one, one, one interesting thing about this is, um, you, know, you look at the Bucks' current um, current cap sheet. They're about four million under the tax from from kind of looking at the numbers right now. So, and they, I mean, they didn't use the majority of their mid level exception last summer. Um, so, I mean, as far as I'm as I can tell, they could theoretically go sign someone into like a prorated four point, I think like four point four million dollar contract. Um, so they actually would have some money to throw around, um, if they had gotten to the point of a buyout market. And, and again, this is, the, this is sort of the irony. It's like, you know, obviously we can go back and say like, well, you know, you have over 4 million under the tax. You could have just eaten Spencer, Spencer Hawes' salary this year or kept him or whatever. And then you wouldn't have needed to stretch him. Um, the flip side is like if you actually could use that money productively, then that would be something that's like, oh well, we that we did that for a reason. Well, right now it looks like the Bucks are just going to sit there and and remain four million under the tax, and obviously that you know if they had it to do over again, they'd want to go back and and not do the the stretching of Spencer Hawes. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm I would say this. I, I'm not expecting them to to sign anybody uh, off of uh, the buyout market, but again, you never know, right? I mean. Um, you know, some of these guys like Channing Fry has not been bought out. I don't know if he even is going to be bought out. I think, you know, he used to play with Luke Walton, I think, in Arizona. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know if that means they're more, he's more like to just sort of stick it out. LA is not a bad place to be. Even if, <laughs> it's not uh, a bad it's life. Not, 
Yeah, it's not the playoffs, but you know, it's it's okay. Um, but and I think what is it? March first, I think, is the deadline to sign uh, and still be playoff eligible. So obviously, um, there's still a little bit of time here, a few weeks before um, you know, kind of the the clock strikes midnight on on some of these buyouts or at least guys that can um, that be be eligible for the playoffs. And keep in mind too, I, I know um, you know we haven't talked about Marshall Plumley. Obviously, I mean, uh, he's another guy. I mean, if they had just you know. Uh, said we'll convert Marshall Plumley to a full-time deal and have him be our third big. I would have been totally fine with that as well, right? I mean, uh, you know, you'd have to re- release somebody to make room for him, but um, you're not giving up an asset for that, and um, you know that that would have been fine with me as well. I think we'll we'll, we'll see if we you know if we see him at all um, over the next uh, few weeks. Obviously, when Henson is out, that gives him a chance to maybe get some time. Um, but you know we'll we'll see if if he if he does make an appearance with uh, with Henson out. But um, you know he's been fine. He's a warm yeah. body. He's active. He's big. Um, you know he he gives effort and and oftentimes if you're you know a seven foot whatever he is two hundred fifty pound guy who is athletic mobile and you know actually tries hard like you don't really need to be particularly talented <laughs> to be uh, to be vaguely useful at least in spot minutes. So um, so yeah I, I would say I don't expect a a signing off the buyout market, but. Um, you know, nothing would, nothing would shock me, I guess, but you know, it would probably have to be somebody who, who is pretty good that maybe wouldn't, you wouldn't expect to see hit the market. All right. So I think that's the buyout market. I'm not really sure there's really anything else more to discuss there. Um, just because, well, I I don't know that there's a high probability of the Bucks making a move and two, if they do make a move, I don't know that anyone is going to be all that excited about it because, well, we just kind of ran through the prospects there. So um, what I want to move on to is what's wrong with Tony Snell? That uh, Maybe I shouldn't freak out like that. But uh, essentially, um, for the last little while, Tony Snell's been in a little bit of a slump. He hasn't been quite right. And uh, I think you can really notice that in some of these games. Uh, when you think of the Heat game, the Magic game, like when you think through some of those games, having the guy that shoots threes for you not hit threes can really shrink the floor on uh, against, especially Miami, against a team that's already attempting to do that as much as possible. Um, so I guess as we think through this, do you think there's any underlying reasons for potential struggles? Obviously, we've seen the roster have to go through a bunch of changes. There's been a ton of injuries. There's been... Uh, trades there's been people coming in and out of the rotation um there's just been kind of a lot um when you think through all of this so with tony snell is there anything you're overly concerned about because i mean shooting slumps do happen those are real things for guys that i mean just about anyone i I don't know many nba players um except the league's best shooters that can avoid uh these type of these type of slumps. So is there something that you're kind of thinking through here where you're just kind of terrified? Uh, you look at, (laughs) you look at, you look at, you look at February 2.7, three point attempts per game. Um, he's shooting 18% from three, just six games, but still at the same time, uh, you kind of look through what he's going, what he's been doing this year. And, uh, I don't know, like that Tony Snell contract, uh, you marked out the Bucks cap and kind of what it looks like. And 
I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe I saw him in the assets. Did I? No, I and I used to have basically sort of a column of of what I called value contracts, and then I had a column of um, the not great Bob uh, contracts. And um, you know, based on what I did was I, I kind of shifted a little bit. I put Snell in what the the column formerly known as not great Bob, but I renamed them to assets and neutral or negative. Uh, Asset, well, I guess not really assets, liabilities, or, you know, but neutral or, or, or negative value contracts. And I put Henson and Snell in there. But to be honest, to be honest, I think you could maybe argue Henson and Snell are both sort of like, I don't know, are they neutral? Like, I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to this summer go find anybody who's just going to like absorb their contracts because those are really big contracts, even though yeah. they've been, you know, productive players the last couple or at least last two years for for Snell the, this season for Henson um but like could you trade those guys and get somebody else back who might actually be like a useful rotation player like yes I think you could do that right um so it doesn't necessarily mean that you can use them to like get out of like a luxury tax problem necessarily because I don't know if you're going to be able to just completely shed salary but um they are still useful players and I think you know for context I mean Tony his his three-point shooting by month um, from October through February, 44%, 51%, 33%, 43% in January, and then 19% in February. And in February, I mean, he's three out of 16, right? So, it's, I mean, it's that's a like a small sample size. Yeah. So it's still sort of like, you know, that could be, you know, one bad game for Steph Curry. Right? Yeah. And obviously with Tony, like, part of the issue is like he's not even like really getting open looks. And it seems like sometimes like he's not getting open looks and then he'll kind of force one. Just to get one up, you know, like they'll run a handoff play. And Ooh. I feel like this in the last few games, like he's missed a couple badly um, and had, I think he had one finally go in the other day. Um, that kind of was like a rattle out and then rattle back in. Um, but it's still a fairly low sample. And, you know, I mean, interestingly, I mean, his best plus minus of the season is in this month right now because everybody else is kind of working around him pretty well. So, um, so again, I mean, it's, it's obviously not good. Um, but I think with Tony, part of the problem is, he just doesn't take many shots, especially when things don't go well. Um, his usage rate is a career low this year. I mean, we've joked about how every year from his rookie year, his usage rate has gone down. I mean, it's like which comical. is it seems impossible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 obviously one of those things where you know if Snell is not hitting shots, not really getting open. It's not a good thing. Um, and like I said as well, I mean, Sterling Brown has actually been in an even worse slump over the, in the last, you know, this month. Um, so the fact that both of them have been in a slump, you know, because they're the two guys like sort of at that, you know, two, three position that you really think of as being like, oh, they were giving you good minutes previously. Um, that makes it kind of doubly annoying or, or problematic. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, the Bucks have been winning games in spite of it. So obviously, um, you know, that's the that's the upside and the fact that the Bucks defense, you know, partly by, I think, skill, partly certainly by luck opponents. I think the last 10 games shooting 28 percent from three. Um, that's obviously a lot of luck in that. But, um, you know, again, I think probably at this point still feels like it's a relatively small sample. I mean, Tony Snell is still shooting 41 percent from three this year. So um, it's not like he's in some two month funk and, mm-hmm. you know, his his numbers have dramatically fallen off. But. By the same token, I mean, you know, if a month from now we're still talking about this, that would also be a bad thing. So hopefully whatever funk he's in, hopefully it's something that that is not around much longer. Um, I, I did know, I mean, he did take a he did. He was involved in a collision in that Phoenix game a couple weeks back in Prunty's first game. Um, and it kind of shook him up a little bit. I have no idea. I mean, we didn't hear anything about, you know, concussion or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, you never know. Um, could could there have been something there? I, I think he had, he did have a good shooting game at least after that. Um, but again, you know, hopefully this is just more just small sample theater, and we'll see the the regular Tony Snell soon because certainly he's not in danger of being benched given the lack of depth behind him. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna have to play, which is which is I think part of the reason why I think this is interesting to discuss is because well, whether or not Sterling Brown takes an even larger role, whatever that may be, like. Tony Snell's still going to have to play 25 to 30 minutes a night, and he's still going to have to be counted on to hit shots, to to hopefully stretch the floor, to have the respect of other defenses. So I do think that, like you said, like this isn't the end of the world. It has been a relatively small couple of weeks where Tony just hasn't hit a bunch of shots, but if it continues, it gets more worrisome. And then um, going even further into the long term and bringing in uh, your breakdown of the Bucks cap that you tweeted out last night, um, that kind of breaks all this down. And I think you can kind of see why that could be such a problem. Like it really could end up being um, something that you'd have to worry about. So I just think it's. Again, I don't think it's the end of the world. Like I said before, like I don't know if this is terrifying or what's wrong with Tony Snell. Like I don't know if that's really what we what we need to talk about. But I do think it's worth noting because he's going to have to play and he's going to have to have an impact. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, let's preview tomorrow night's game. I think we can keep this one relatively short. The Atlanta Hawks are bad at basketball. I'm not really sure there's a, another way around this. They just are. Um, and obviously, they, they've had some, Dwayne Dedman has been really good as of late. Um, I've seen threes. Yeah. yeah, I've seen, what was it, 20 some the other night? I've seen any fantasy basketball person I follow tweet out, like, if you don't have Dwayne Dedman, like, check around your league and see if he's available because you should pick him up because he's been really hot lately. That speaks to the Atlanta Hawks, that Dwayne Dedman could get enough shots that you should be picking him up in fantasy leagues. Like That should let you know what the Atlanta Hawks look like. They're 18-39 and 39 on the season, offensive rating around 20, defensive rating around 26. Um, so, and again, that's basketball reference. It's going to be different on NBA.com, um, but that gives you some idea of what this team is about, the they're not very good, and they've been struggling, and yeah, I don't really, I I would say they're probably a little bit better as of late. I believe they're 4-4 four and four in their last eight, um, but at the same time, they're, they're still the Hawks that aren't playing very good basketball. Yeah, I think the recipe to lose to the Hawks would be, you know, we've seen the Bucs have some, some bad, you know, shooting games uh, of late, and they've relied on their defense to carry them and give them a kind of a good baseline to be able to beat these bad teams. Um, the Hawks are a team that, you know, is above average in terms of attempting, making uh, both makes and attempts of threes and, and three point percentage. So, um, you know, they're a team that if they do get hot, you know, if Dennis Schroeder has one of those nights, which we've seen him have against the Bucks, um, maybe that is the scenario where, you know, the Hawks can, can figure out a way to beat you. So, uh, so yeah, again, I mean, you know, the Bucks are n- nowhere near good enough to, to take any of these games for granted. And, uh, obviously you hope that the, the consistency they've shown against bad teams of late. And I think, um, who was it today? Somebody tweeted at me and I'd retweeted it. Uh, somebody, I think it was Mitch, uh, tweeted out, um, the Bucks' record against the spread. I think he said it was six and two against 
bad teams basically and 0-2 against good teams. 0-2 in the games that they lost to the Timberwolves and Heat and 6-2 and in all their games. Yeah, it was uh, Mitch Cervenka. Mitch, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Um, thanks, Mitch, for pulling that out. So uh, hopefully the Bucks can once again take care of business, not just beating teams, but but also you know beating them a bit more handily than than uh, the bookmakers expected. Um, and obviously, you know, <laughs> how, not that long ago, we we looked back on that first Atlanta game in Atlanta as being like, oh, remember that one time the Bucks took care of business and just had like a wire-to-wire easy win, and they just didn't have very many of those games? Yep. Um, so obviously the Bucks have, have done this against this team before this year, and, you know, so this is an opportunity going to the All-Star break. You know that that schedule is going to be tough coming out of the All-Star break, and you're right in the thick of that 4-5 race in the East. Time to rack up these wins, you know, bank these wins against these bad teams. Uh, you got the Nuggets coming up on Thursday. That'll obviously be, in theory, a tougher game. Um, so don't 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 uh, don't catch yourself, you know, looking ahead or anything like that, and and blow it by by losing to a bad Hawks team. I mean, that's thirty three and twenty four. Like that's not out of I don't even want to say that's not out of the realm of possibilities. That is what I think you would say the Bucks should do. I would assume they're favored in both of these games, favored heavily against the Hawks. Like that's what the Bucks should do. They should win both those games and be thirty three and twenty four at the break. And uh, I think having that nine game uh, cushion over 500. Like I think that may, that helps you out a little bit um, as you go into that stretch, which we, which we've already talked about where they come out of the break and they just head right into a batch of tough teams. And uh, the only teams that aren't playoff teams are currently in the playoffs. I think are uh, the Pistons and are the Pelicans outside looking in now. I'm trying to, remember if they are not but either way like those are two teams that yeah the pelicans are still at eighth so they're still there so detroit's the only team in your first one two three four five six seven eight games after the all-star break that are outside of the playoffs looking in right now so you you want to bank bank a number of these wins and uh the hawks are a, a very beatable team one that you said that can be a little bit volatile uh since they do shoot threes and uh they can end up hitting a bunch of those against you so uh i i think the bucks have to do a little bit better job defensively than they did against the magic uh the they didn't really seem to be in that one ultimately the offense won out but uh show up take care of business be 33 and 24 going into all-star break that seems like a good plan for this week so we'll see if the bucks can actually execute that yeah and and i was just going to add so it's been a while since we talked about the gravitational effect of the the 500 mark um hopefully we won't have to bring that back up after the all-star break and just to your point about being favored in these two games 83 percent uh, likelihood of Bucks win, uh, according to 538 on Tuesday, 67% chance against the Nuggets. Man, um, that's... So they're minus 10 uh, favorites on Tuesday, minus four favorites against the Nuggets. Um, you know, multiply those two probabilities out. So the probability of a, of a sweep of both games, about 54, 55%. So again, nothing to be taken for granted, but uh, obviously a really good opportunity to keep this momentum going. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean... You know, it'd be nice if we could sort of retire, never trust the Bucks. I'm not ready to do it yet. Just nope, yet, but nope, 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 not doing I, that. I, I hope, I hope to not say that phrase again this week. Yes, that that would be delightful. Um, all right, that's going to be it for us for today. We'll talk to you after the Hawks game tomorrow night. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.